162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com. I fucking damn it! What? That's good, right? No. I only bet 10. But you won. What did I say? What did I tell you? It's a short thing. You talk about this crap like it's science, Tony. I lost a lot of fucking money. You didn't lose. We could have turned your bullshit into a fucking million dollars. My bullshit? Never think I might know what I'm doing! I'll just call myself Mr. X. Yep, you can't go wrong with Mr. X. Did you ever think I might know what I'm doing? How many times have we all said that to somebody, right, Mr. X? Exactly. That's a great clip. Yeah, that is a good one. How you doing, my man? You know, the listeners of the Zabecast are dying for an update on the new X getaway cabin, or actually the new residence, the retirement cabin in Maine. How's it going? Uh... It's slow. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it's the update slow. right there. That says it all right there. We pushed from summer to fall to I don't know. Oh no. It's going slow. A oh, lot of man. stuff I can't under things work differently up here, that's for sure. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I will say there was uh, at least one or two listeners who said, I love Mr. X. I wish him the best, but his hope for September <laughs> was wildly optimistic yeah well the guy who told me he'd have it done in three months he hasn't even been able to start yet (laughs) and why not well because he builds it but first there's guys that have to do all the excavation and site prep and foundation and all that before Uh... they turn it over to the builder and builders on ready to roll and hopefully about another week just been various delays blah 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 you know the drill so but you're... to make up for the delays, we're going way over budget. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, to make up for the fact it'll be late, it'll also be yeah. over budget. Yeah. So wait a minute. Yeah. So you're just waiting for the, the prep work guys, the, the, the excavators, oh, yeah, the dozer guys. Yeah. So they've moved dirt. Oh, yeah. We've got dirt. we got some footers. Oh, okay. we got a little bit done, and then they just kind of disappeared. I went home to the beach for a week. I came back, and suddenly nobody was talking to each other, and everybody's waiting for everybody else. And I was like, you know, when you guys finished work on Friday, did you say to each other, see you Monday? <laughs> or did you just go home and go, I don't know where he is. Oh, I don't know where he is. You know, so. Well, you know, you talk about the culture up there in Maine, and it's definitely different. 
It's a different tempo. It is a different way of doing things. In some ways, it's a lot better. In other ways, it's not so good. And if you if you tick anybody off, there's not a B team to put in. You know, right. so you gotta you gotta keep it gotta keep everything on the good because you don't you know if I, if I you know if I if I annoy them, they stop answering the phone. And then there's nowhere else to turn. So, right, yeah. right. You have to be pleasantly, in some way, pleasantly persistent, or at least not obnoxiously uh, persistent. And exactly. Then, yeah, because you're, you're right. There's no one. And I would imagine they all talk to each other, too, the contractors and the oh, yeah. laborers. So, you know, you hook into an asshole. It doesn't matter sometimes how much money the asshole has. They'll just yep. say, I don't, I don't need it. I don't need the headache. Don't want it. Well, the one guy mentioned to me last month, he said something about, you know, the pressure up here of basically producing a living, you know, after the ice melts and, you know, really by busting it during the quote season. And I told him there's a solution to that, that I learned decades ago, which is called lower the bar. <laughs> Just <laughs> it's okay. Do less work, make less money. Come on. Yeah. So you haven't even run into the uh, whole supply chain stuff about getting the materials yet because you're just grading right now. No, I mean, they supposedly ordered materials months ago, but you, know, you just lock in the price and make the order. Uh, you know, it's not like they're slaying around here somewhere, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's get into it. You listened the other day to the Naki Buckhans uh, power lunch at the Palm and said you loved it, even though you go back with Naki a long time. In fact, it was Naki who introduced me to you. Was it? Yes, it was. I believe it was. Or no, well, no, you came to me on your own. You heard yeah, my show. You came to me on your there. own. But then once I yeah. got to know you, Naki's like, oh, wow, him? You know, you didn't go on Mr. <laughs> X, but he's like, oh, him? Yeah, I coach Little League with him. Yeah. I met Naki the day we were, we were raking puddles off of a t-ball field. <laughs> there you go. The day anyway, of the Kentucky Derby. But yes, it's you, been a while. And you've heard a lot of Naki stories, but some of the stories he uncorked on that podcast were really, really good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Him and Buckhams were very good. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, in that you know podcast, Buckhams brought out one of his big pet peeves amongst announcers that drives him crazy. Yeah, And the phrase that he said was just nails on a chalkboard was what? I forgot already. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I don't remember. <laughs> you, you forgot as well. Okay, I thought you would remember It this. was more from a professional, like, broadcaster. Why are you saying this? Um, I don't remember what it was. So. Here, I'm going go to go to the text thread with Buckhans because he heard one of the announcers say it, and then he texted me immediately. Oh, yeah, he said, oh, you're going to hear it all night. I can't remember what it was, though. Right, 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 right. So anyway, you said you have your own short list of announcer things that drive you absolutely bonkers. Yeah, well, from a different perspective, I have one. I mean, his is more like, hey, you're not a professional at this. Mine is more like from a fan or a listener. The one I cannot stand is when the announcer makes a mistake and they more or less blame like the officials for their mistake instead of saying whoops got it wrong like you'll see guy throws a pass to terry mclaurin and it one hops him you know and, and they'll say and he's got it for a first down awkward silence awkward silence wait now they're saying it's incomplete 
No, they always said it was incomplete. <laughs> it was you that got it wrong. Right. They make it sound like you can tell somebody's in their ear like, dude, you got it wrong. And you, they always say, and now they're saying it's a block, not a charge. No, they always said that. You just were wrong. Yeah. The, cor- the, the, the corollary to that is when announcers ignore obvious replay evidence that contradicts the initial point they were making. I have countless times watched analysts go over a play on replay. They've just said, you know, the lineman didn't hold his block or something like that, and the replay proves exactly the opposite, and then they gently shift what they're saying to sort of walk away from their initial bad analysis. They will never go, oh, you know what? Actually, now that I see it, the lineman did a good Uh job. They will not do that. Yep, let's sweep it under the rug and keep going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the phrase Buckhands hated was knocks it down. Knocks it down. <laughs> knocks it down when it comes to making a shot in basketball. And he knocks it down. Yep. yep. I, I hate this one. I hate when announcers say, in effect, boy, that is a terrible time for insert terrible thing you never want to do anyway, <laughs> regardless of of what time it is in the game. Example, boy, that's a terrible time to drop a pop-up on a potential final out of a three-run bases-clearing triple. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a bad time for it. Oh, you're saying it's okay to do it as long as what? It's the second inning? (laughs) The time doesn't matter. It's a bad play. Yes. Uh, Another one is a two-score game drives me nuts in football as if we can't understand the basic machinations of field goals three touchdown and extra point is seven touchdown and two is eight now you figure out with how much time is left what do they really need here well it's a two score game oh yeah thanks how about just saying they're up 10 <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> or when they say with fake gravitas because a field goal does them no good. Does them no good. Yeah, no shit. They're down six. I get it. I know how to add. Also, here's one that announcers use a lot. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Will it, though? What if it's boring to see? What if it's inconsequential when we finally see it? Whatever it is you say. You know, it'll be interesting to see, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, usually that means I don't know what to say. So, well, we don't know. We'll just find out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, NBA Finals, Celtics tonight. Or no, tonight is Wednesday. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, game six at home, down three games to two. You've got four boys who love the NBA. Yeah. Well, three out of the four do, but yes. Three out of the four do. And you like the NBA, and you like the Celtics. You... And I hate the Celtics. What? <laughs> no, I'm not a. I like. I was always a Red Sox fan. I, but I grew up in Washington. I never liked the Celts. No. Do you have and an I, NBA team? Uh, you know, it's I, I've I've lost a lot on the NBA. It's too hard these days. And but growing up, I was always a Bullets and a Washington fan. But spending summers in Maine, I liked the Red Sox. But I spent the rest wow. of the year as a Redskins and a Bullets and all that. But. I find the NBA unwatchable. Of course, I watch the playoffs to some degree, but I, I just can't watch a whole game. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, Even though it's you different. love college basketball, love college yeah. hoops. 
Yeah, it's a little different. Well, you know, let's look why at do this. You hate, why do you not like the NBA? Let's hear. I don't know. It's just a, it's like it's just a constant highlight reel of half-ass effort. <laughs> I mean, why is it that all of the sudden they can now play defense? You know, I mean, there, there's some defense in this series. The point they're going way under every game. They're back in the '90s. Okay, you you couldn't do that all season, could you? You know. It's not a coincidence. So that that part just bothers me. But I mean, I'm enjoying this is a great series. I like watching the Warriors, and I like watching the Warriors lose. Also, oh. those are the two most fun things. <laughs> okay, like- so so where are your four boys on Steph Curry, who is not? Oh, they, they do. Okay, he's not the not he's not the face of the league, but he may be even more popular in some areas than LeBron James because he looks like a kind of player that any driveway kid in suburbia like your four boys could perhaps if they were graced with the kind of shooters dna from the gods which steph curry was be that guy yeah well you know the other thing with curry is he has rewritten every what you're supposed to and not supposed to do i mean and that my kids point that out a long time ago the old oh you're going in from the left side you got to use your left no you don't <laughs> steph curry was the first guy who's like I want to use my right hand. I don't care where I am. He yeah. shoots those little reverses. You know, one of my kids, uh, X2, he played for Coach Naki as a youth. And it's like, you know, all this, all this learning how to go up strong and use your offhand. Why? <laughs> Why? You don't need to do that. Use the one you're better at. And Curry has changed that, really. Right. So your boys love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how do you not? And do you yeah. and do you talk NBA with them? I know that they uh, uh, is isn't one of them pretty good at betting the NBA. Uh, yeah, two of them are crushing it. One's getting crushed. But um, I have one rule, Zabe, and that is no NBA at the dinner table. <laughs> I just can't stand it. You shut that conversation down. Make it going at dinner, my boys. Not right at the quick. table. All right, we got a lot of baseball to catch up yeah. on, and I don't know how much you've been watching up there while you're staring oh, out yeah. your window at the dirt that's not moving not from the moving. contractors. Um, but we are we have some interesting things developing now in baseball. One is the Yankees and the Mets. I still think both have the best records in baseball as of this morning. I might have to look that up, but they're both in first wow. place. Yeah. Um, the Yankees look like an absolute unit right now. Yeah. And Aaron Judge is having a hell of a contract season. Funny how that happens. Funny how that happens. Now, when you look at the Yankees as they're currently constructed, how do they get to this point? What are they? And how does it make you feel as a Red Sox fan? Well, I I had them as an over this year, even though their number was really high. They are loaded. I expect them to be loaded. It Really, it's more a case of how come they were took so long. They've been loaded for two, three years seasons and then they've been underperforming i don't know that they really got better as much as they're finally doing what they should have been doing i mean the team's loaded drop to bottom they're they're so good they can even absorb giant heavy salary mistakes like garrett cole they just kind of swallow those things whole and keep moving stanton i don't think has been worth the money well i hate to say it this way but seriously this is like monopoly money. I mean, we can always say 
this, you know, if you're the Marlins, you have to use your money wisely. If you're the Yankees, it's just play money. So it is what it is. If you pay what you have to pay to get who you want, they don't care. So to say they overpaid, they're like, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I don't know. They just, you know, it's it's, you just you got the chips in front of you and you have to use them all. (laughs) So, um, you know, if if the guy's worth X, you pay him three X. So not mess around. They don't care. So So, uh, Stanton hit hit 59 bombs his final year in Miami as a 27 year old. And then his first year of the Yankees, he had 38 against 211 strikeouts. Oh, yeah, but that's the game today. They don't care They don't anymore. care, right. Yeah. But he's just never been able to stay on the field. Sure. You know, Judge and Stanton, two of the biggest beasts, if not the two biggest beasts in baseball, and they can't stay healthy. It's, right. You know, it's baseball. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, so Judge is going to get paid big time. Soto, yeah. for the Nats, is going to get paid big time. They're yeah. already talking about Shohei Otani being the first $50 million a year player. I ask you, does any of these salaries make sense? I have to go back 30, 40 years to the godfather, Ken Beatrice. <laughs> Even though the numbers change, you know, back then it was like, can you believe this guy's making $100,000 or whatever? Now it's 50 million. And he always would say, I can write that number down. But it means nothing to me. Meaning it's just, so out of the realm of understanding. Well, as yeah. a guy who likes to analyze, you know, leagues and salaries and salary caps, does it make sense from a baseball sense? Because I was thinking about Harper for the Phillies, right? He's yeah. producing. No question about that. He's producing on par with what he's being paid. However, they were so bad this year at one point, they had to fire their manager, and they've now righted the ship. So is Harper's salary really worth it? if that's the position they ended up in anyway. Well, I guess the bottom line is you are trying to, we never really can measure, okay, how much money did you make by signing him? How many tickets did you sell? How many promotions did you make? Blah, blah, blah. Is it really just on the field where we measure? Was it worth it? Or is it, you know, at the box office? I almost want to put aside whatever he brought to the ballpark or tickets or jerseys literally from a baseball standpoint, is a guy like that worth it? Because you're going to be paying big dollars and then plus plus for more sluggers coming up, the the rarest of the rare, like Soto and Judge and Otani. But the way it works today is it's like when the Angels signed Pujols. Granted, that never worked out for him. But you can't sign three important free agents until you've signed one. So meaning you have, you've got to open up the first bank of Boris. Yeah. You have to show others as they call it. We're serious about winning translation. Yeah. We're overpaying. <laughs> okay. Right. That's, so, but when you overpay the first guy, especially in the NBA, then the other free agents are like, Oh, I want to go there because they're serious about winning translation. They'll overpay me too. Right. So, but you can't just go get three guys. So, you have to get a, and that's the problem with Soto. Why would he be the first guy to stay with the Nats when he's watched 
Turner and Scherzer and Rendon and Harper and everyone leave. He doesn't want to sign here. They've not given an indication of, hey, look, we're going to build something. So if you, you sign that first guy, you have to overpay the heck out of him so that you can get the second and the third guy. Yeah. I all, think. all those guys left except for Strasburg, who is now huh. back on the DL. And Davey Martinez said he defended it, the, the contract they gave him after the World Series, seven for 245. They said he earned that contract, meaning past tense. Why well, do teams with all these smart analytic people that crunch all the numbers do such patently dumb shit when they should be able to say it's just a business? No offense. Thanks for being awesome. We're not paying you. No, you're, you're right. I mean, you don't pay, you don't get paid for what you already did. I think managers just say that because listen, these managers want one thing to be respected and liked by the players. So they're right. always quote, have their back. He's not going to go, well, you know, in hindsight, that may not have been a good move. <laughs> or, or I was against it from the get go. I thought it was crazy right. given his history of arm troubles. And then you turn around, you realize the knives are out in the clubhouse from the players to get you fired. I mean, look, come on, Strasburg. If, I mean, there's always an injury risk with anybody, but this is a guy that you had to have known. I mean, look at his first few, his first go rounds, his first two contracts were nothing but injured years. At the time, you just, it's the same thing. You say, if you and I are doing it, no way am we paying that money. But it's just play money to these guys and they don't care. Yeah. I can write that number, but it means nothing to me. <laughs> right. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So um, did you see the EFIS pitch the other day? No. <laughs> a uh, position player for the Cubs, oh, yeah. Frank Schwindel, threw an EFIS pitch, clocked at thirty-six point or thirty-five point one miles per hour, slowest recorded pitch since baseball got the technology to do that. And uh, this guy Kyle Hikashawa for the Yankees, their light hitting catcher, just sent it to the moon. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they, it's this this whole. They used to have nine pitchers, 10 pitchers on a roster. Now you have 13, 14, and they're still throwing position players out there. I, I think there's more position players getting innings than ever. I don't, oh, have, any, I don't have stats to back it up, but it, it used to be a once or twice a year thing that would make sports center like, ah, ha, ha, look at this, the shortstop is in to pitch, and boy, does he suck. 
and it had to be a 23 to two game. Now it's, it's happening all the time. They have so many pitchers, but they're using them so many more days than they used to lesser, lesser innings, but more days. So I don't know, analytics, whatever they it's, it, but they have these guys coming in and the one thing they've learned is they used to bring in a position player and they would always hurt their arms. So now they come in and say, just, just lob it up there. Right. Don't, don't try to pitch. Don't show us your pitcher. Just lob it up there and see what happens. Nothing heroic. Just go ahead and, you know, get us out, get us a few outs, get us closer to going home uh, for tonight. In fact, they're using position pitchers so often now. There was a game recently in which the umpire had to say, by rule, you can't bring in a position pitcher if the lead is less than seven runs. Did you see that? Oh, come on. Yeah, that's apparently a rule. Wow. <laughs> I, that's new to me. What, anti-tanking? I don't get that. I, apparently it was in the books. It was somehow putting in there. It was put in there by, I guess, the owners of the competition committee. And uh, I forget who it was that tried to do it. And they're like, nope, uh, we checked the book. You're not allowed to do this. So imagine being the other team. You're like, no, 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 it's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go ahead. We yeah, go ahead. It's fine with us. So speaking of the EFIS pitch, I'm wondering if you follow this account on Twitter called Pitching Ninja. No. Okay, you should. You're yeah. on Twitter at Call Me Mr. X, right? Just call me Mr. X. Just call me Mr. X on Twitter. Of course, you can go to uh, Mr. X's website. Uh, it's a full year-round thing, advice on gambling and other such sordid matters. Uh, become a member at your own uh, discretion if you like. All the plans are there. Free plug, ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Call me MrX.com. Okay. So uh, Pitching Ninja really is cool because he will show just basically individual pitches. And there are some pitchers now, not just in the majors, but also in college and the minors who are throwing stuff that looks that looks like a goddamn wiffle ball at times. Yes. It's stunning to see. So I was thinking about this because obviously velos, as the kids say, are up, right? Right. So velocity is up across the board. If you can't pop the gun and at least at 92, I don't know if you can live anymore, whereas mm-hmm. it used to be guys could pluck and and navigate at 88, 87 even. Jamie Moyer threw what, in the mid-80s? Oh, yeah. Doug Jones, remember him for your Brewers, was a closer for years. He couldn't go over 85, and he closed. I never figured that <laughs> That's out. That's crazy. So I'm thinking about this with velocities going up. I'm thinking about how it's akin to 300-pounders in the NFL. Okay. Do you know the rise of... Of 300 pounders in the NFL, how steep it is from 1970 till today. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, when the hogs in the 80s, it was a big deal because they averaged like 270 across. <laughs> right. So in 1970, there was one 300 pounder in the NFL. In 1980, 10 years later, it had tripled to three oh. 300 pounders. 10 years later, it quote, exploded uh, to 94 300-pounders. In 2000, it went from 94 to 301. And in the next 10 years, from 2000 to 2010, it went from 301 to 532. And I don't even have the updated number 
for 2020. And I'd assume we're getting to the point where just about every O-lineman is over 300. So I'm assuming it'll level off, right? Because you can't, no other position can play at 300 pounds, but O-line or O-line and D-line, I should say. Yeah, both both lines. lines. At some point, that number should level off. But it's sort of like pitching. It's like velocities with pitchers and now 300 pounders. I mean, the game is just flat out changing. That's for sure. Well, we forgot the other one, though. How about La Russa? Oh, yeah. I want to hear from a touch on that. Yeah, but I want but I want your grizzled managerial thoughts on this because La Russa uh, got up uh, no balls, two strikes on Trey Turner with a runner open base on first and then a wild pitch and then decided, well, you know what? We should probably just walk them with a one two count. And the announcers lost their mind, said we'd never seen this before. Our reporters questioned La Russa. He dug his heels in. He defended it. He was like, I don't even know why that's a hard call. And then loop back the next day to defend it more. You say. Garbage. I mean, nobody, you know, the reality there is, like you said, it was 0-2, wild pitch. The guy moves up and you quickly, you know, put him on. And then when you realize, oh, you know, wait, it's 1-2. I messed up. You just, you just don't admit, yeah, I messed that up. Because. You know, you're an old guy clinging to a job. You don't, <laughs> you don't admit that. But Larusa, you know, here, here's my take on him. I mean, I never thought he was good in his heyday. I always said he was the classic baseball manager that gets labeled a genius and spends a career trying to get unlabeled. You know, because once you're once you're a genius, Lou Pinella, Tony Larusa. Once right. somebody says you're the best, you start going after ten years. Oh wait, why? You know, I never thought he was that good. But the point on Larusa is really, I don't know how old he is. He's got to be close to 80, isn't he? Yes, he's and uh, I'm 78, si- I think. Okay, I'm 62. I'm old school, old school baseball. And that guy would lose me because he's such a horrible dinosaur. How the hell does he coach a 25-year-old kid if, <laughs> if I think he's old? I'm, you know, it's like. You you lose me because you're an old geezer who doesn't understand the game today. But these kids are 25 years. Tim Anderson, I mean, when he was having problems with him last year, he's I mean, it's like he's 20. Yeah, these kids must be me times a billion. Going, why is the old guy here again? How can you possibly relate, right? Yeah, I don't see any way he relates to today's player. When you know what you're saying before about um, the uh, coach we were talking about a minute ago, I forgot his name already. You know, when it's all about relationships with the guys. Oh, Davey Martinez. Yeah. You know, it's all about having their back. He doesn't have anybody's back. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't even know what that means. Well, I just would I would have loved to have known if like his you know, coach would have like called time and said, Okay, hold on, let's talk about this. Why are we now walking him intentionally just yeah. because of one ball? Because of right. a past ball? Like we we went at him at nothing and nothing. We got yeah. to nothing and two. We're in good yeah. shape. Let's and keep... you know Muncie followed with a dinger and lost the game. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so that made it even more fun. Bottom. The, the other thing though is with the with today's rule where you just indicate walk and and it's 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 too late. You can't unwalk. Them, you know that is so. that, that is true. Like I and I I think that game was in Chicago. I think that game was at home. If you still had to intentionally walk a guy and the catcher stands up, puts his glove out to the side. You can imagine the booze 
that right. would have rained down that sure. might have made them go, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think yeah. about this. Well, you heard there was a there was somebody had posted a tweet where you could hear the guy behind the plate going, "Tony, there's two strikes." <laughs> like it's never good when the drunk is more in tune with the game than you are. Very good point. All right, hey, mate. I got one last thing for you. I'm yes, sorry. go ahead. NBA, is it me? How insufferable is the pregame with Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon? All year, the NBA crew is so good with Shaq and Kenny and Barkley. They're so funny, and they're so knowledgeable. And now it's like this is the finals, and you're throwing those three out there. Do you, it's horrible. Do you know why it's so much worse than the TNT crew? There's two key reasons that I see. One, both Shaq and Barkley – and Kenny played in the NBA. <laughs> Wilbon and Stephen A. Smith talk and act as if they did too, with a kind That's of true. certainty and arrogance that should be like, whoa, I know you've covered and watched and are a fan of, but slow your roll a bit. You didn't play. So there's yeah. respect for those who at least played, number one. Number two, Barkley and Kenny and Charles do not take themselves or yeah. what they're watching or looking at seriously. They understand it's a game. They understand it's a ta- entertainment. Stephen A. Smith is a wind-up outrage puppet who is paid to do one thing, pretend like whatever point he's making is the end of the world. And it's an yeah. act that people with a brain look at and laugh. I think part of it also is it's like – it's like George Costanza when he worked for the Yankees, okay? You kind of got to be good at faking it and because you're always afraid somebody's going to find you out and say, yeah, you're out. So they have to pretend that they're really good because they're always afraid somebody's going to realize they don't know anything. Yeah. And, and But with Wilbon, I mean, every – is it just me? Every time they say, so, Michael, who do you think is going to win tonight? Well, last night I had dinner with Michael Jordan. And he said, Name we drop. talked about my good friend, Charles Barkley. And he, it's like, we asked you who's going to win, not to give us your Rolodex. Yeah, but that's what Wilbon does. That's how well, he, he does. That's how he burnishes his credibility. That's how he shines it up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, one last thing. Did you see the report that the Dolphins had a serious and credible plan in place? to go get Brady, and then to sign Sean Payton as their coach for close to $100 million. I, I saw something about that, but I guess my question is, you could, I, could, I had a plan to have Tom Brady come cut my grass. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, you can have a plan. The point is, it actually was something they were working on, which yeah, I don't think sure. you could say you plan to have Tom Brady come over and help pour your footings for your new cottage the point is i don't think brady was would have ever like gone for that plan thank you miami uh okay all right i just wonder if you saw that all right good luck with the rest of the cottage my friend and your uh, folks are in for uh, a few weeks i'm sure that'll be good and uh enjoy your summer in maine mr mr x all right buddy thanks see you there you go all right
All right, that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Rate and review. Yacht Rock Draft tomorrow for subscribers only. Go to zabe.com slash premium, and we will see you tomorrow on the subscriber cast. 162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com.